subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulties swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Are you looking for ways to be happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative? Gretchen Rubin is the number one best-selling author of The Happiness Project, and every week she shares insights and practical solutions in the Happier with Gretchen Rubin podcast. Gretchen's co-host and happiness guinea pig is her sister Elizabeth Kraft, a Hollywood showrunner. Join Gretchen and Elizabeth as they reveal fresh insights from cutting-edge science, ancient wisdom, pop culture, and their own experiences about cultivating happiness and good habits. Every week, they offer a manageable try-this-at-home tip you can use to boost your happiness without spending a lot of time, energy, or money. Suggestions such as follow the one-minute rule, choose a one-word theme for the year, or design your summer. They also feature segments like Know Yourself Better, where they discuss questions like Are you an overbuyer or underbuyer? A morning person or night person? Abundance lover or simplicity lover. And every episode includes a happiness hack, a quick, easy shortcut to more happiness. Listen and follow Happier with Gretchen Rubin, an Odyssey podcast. Available now, free on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. Icons, did you ever watch True Blood? I was obsessed. I thought the men on that show, Alexander Skarsgård, Ryan Quanton, I was in love with him when that show was airing. And I thought it was just so good. And so that's why I'm so excited to tell you about the new season of the Truest Blood podcast. The Truest Blood podcast is fantastic. If you haven't listened before, it's hosts Kristen Bauer and Deborah Ann Wall who rewatch and tell true stories from the set of HBO's iconic series, True Blood. They discuss the episodes, the blood, both fake and real, and all the sexy bites in between. And this season of the podcast, they cover seasons three and four of True Blood, uh, where there's more werewolves, witches, and vampire royalty on the show. Plus, they have really great people who worked behind the scenes of the show coming on and talking about the show. Lots of that to come. I think we're all pop culture junkies here. And one of the things that I love about pop culture is seeing how the sausage is made. And so I think that's why we're all going to be so excited to listen to the Truest Blood podcast. So check it out. uh, And also check out the show True Blood. Watch all episodes of True Blood on Max and listen to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Everything Iconic. I'm Danny Pellegrino. And today on the show, we have two very special guests. The first guest is Becca Tobin, who you guys might know from Glee or from the Lady Gang podcast. She has a new book out with the other two members of the Lady Gang. It's called Act Like a Lady. I got an advanced copy, and it's so great. I hope you check it out. Order it on Amazon or wherever you get your books. Support an indie bookseller, possibly. Wherever you get the book, get the book. Uh, we talk about all sorts of stuff. We talk about Housewives, Bravo, Summer House, all. We cover it all. We mention it all. Uh, and then after my chat with Becca, I have uh, an interview with a guy named Dan Lanigan, who is the, one of the creators and stars and hosts of this show on Disney Plus called Prop Culture. Now, it's one of my favorite shows that I've binged this year. I can't recommend it enough. If you have Disney Plus, please check it out. Again, it's called Prop Culture, and it's perfect for people who like behind the scenes of movies stuff. So, this guy, Dan Lanigan, he's a prop collector. So, throughout his life, he's collected all sorts of amazing props. We actually did the interview via Zoom, so if you want to check it out and watch it, you could see it on the new Everything Iconic YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Danny Pellegrino and the number one. So you can see uh, both of these interviews actually over on the YouTube channel, but it's fun on Dan's interview because you can see some of the props he's collected. There was an Indiana Jones, 
Hat from uh, the first uh, Indiana Jones movie. There's all sorts of stuff. So you can check that out and watch it on YouTube and watch his show Prop Culture. If you like movie making, if you like pop culture, uh, I think it's so fantastic. I laughed. I cried. I was invested. I hope that we get a season two of it because it's one of my favorite shows I've seen this year. And Dan is the host and also one of the creators of it. So he's the one that's going around and and uh, and collecting these props and then also talking to a lot of the amazing craftsmen and craftswomen who have uh, worked on a lot of these movies that we loved. In the show, he covers so many classic movies. He covers uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. He covers Tron. Uh, there's a lot of great stuff over there. So Disney Plus prop culture. With that, I will leave you guys with both of these interviews. I put the timestamp in the episode description if you just want to listen to one or the other. If you want any of the t-shirts or any of the uh, Everything Iconic merch, you can go to everythingiconic.store. Everythingiconic.store. Find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino. Again, subscribe to the YouTube channel. I hope you guys are enjoying those uh, video interviews. I'll try to do more if you guys like them. And you can view them all. I'm trying to get the production level um, on those Zoom interviews boosted a little bit. So, you know, as we go, they'll get better but I think they're great now. Anyway, love you all so much for listening. Please enjoy these chats with Becca Tobin and Dan Lanigan. Hi. Hi. Becca Tobin, welcome to Everything Iconic. Becca, how are you doing today? I'm great. It's early in the morning. Um, I haven't been getting out of my pajamas till about 11 lately, so good. I see you've been going, I follow you on social media and I see you've been going on a lot of walks, which is good. You're at least getting out of the house. I mean, so many walks. I'm about to lose my mind. Um, I'll walk like six miles a day. I feel like I'm like retired living in a golf community, but it's good. You know, it's something. How are you? I'm okay. You know, I've been a little under the weather, but I'm, I'm slowly getting better. But uh, yeah, I'm excited. You guys have a new book coming out. Yeah. Uh, tell me about Act Like a Lady. So Act Like a Lady is kind of the antithesis of the title, which is funny. It's a book of advice. And within the book, the three of us, the hosts of The Lady Gang, we each write personal essays that kind of pertain to each lesson or you know piece of advice. It's four parts. It's a, the relationship you have with yourself, dating, uh, friends, and career. So um, you guys have been doing Lady Gang since 2015, right? Yes. Can you believe it? <laughs> I mean, that's insane. That's insane. Have you guys gotten in any like big fights over the years? You know, what's funny is that I was on Heather Dubrow's podcast yesterday and she asked me the same question. And for 24 hours now, I've been racking my brain for like an actual fight. But no, I mean, we have disagreements, but it never gets to like an emotional level, which is incredible because I'm an actress. So I have many emotions. But I think that being paired with two such like cool, calm, collected partners has helped me a a lot. Like three Beckas in the group would have been Real Housewives status. But since they're so great, it's amazing and so easy. Did you guys know each other before all this? So Kelsey and I knew each other from like a past life when we were dancers in New York. Um, She was a Rockette and I was on Broadway and we would kind of bump into each other at auditions and we'd be like competing for jobs against each other. So we knew each other like acquaintance, maybe even less. Um, And then Jack and Kelty, they actually share a mutual ex-boyfriend and that's how they know each other. But um, I didn't know Jack until our first day where we pitched this podcast. Like I met her on that day. Yeah. Um, Have you guys had any controversies with the podcast? I mean, have you, I'm sure over the years you guys have said things because I even, I mean, talking for, I talk like sometimes three hours a week and I'm like, you know, sometimes you just say things. Like, is there something that sticks out in your mind? For sure. Yeah. I made a really bad joke a couple years ago and um, it was like, I won't even, I won't even repeat it because it's, it's like even justifying it, I'd get in trouble, that sort of a thing. Um, It was a joke and um, we had a lot of girls reach out very upset with me. And we also had um, some girls reach out to the brands that sponsor the Lady Gang podcast to tell them to stop doing that. They didn't, thank God. But um, what's so funny is that joke that I made was years ago. And since then, I've listened to one really popular podcast uh, hosted by a man, a straight man in Hollywood. And he actually uses my same joke regularly. <gasps> oh my God, who is it? I can't say. It's probably Dax Shepard. Is it Dax Shepard? I don't know. 
<laughs> I feel like it is. I feel like it is. It might be. It might be. But, um, you know, it just like speaks volumes about, you know, where we're at, you know, right. what people um, can was, get away with. I was reading the book last night and you describe yourself as the cynical one. Yeah. And so I wanted to know, um, I, I wanted to do sort of like the opposite of that. And I just want to know some of the things you like unabashedly. Oh my gosh. Um, like within pop culture. So like, first of all, in terms of when you were a teen, mm-hmm. what kind of music did you like? Like what bad pop music or, you know, good pop music did you like? Um, I was like a walking stereotype. I loved Britney Spears. I loved Christina Aguilera. I loved NSYNC. I loved Backstreet Boys. Like I loved the mainstream pop culture. I also had like a weird like emo edgy side um, that would like sing jewel in my shower to myself and like cry but mostly I was pretty mainstream and I still really do unabashedly love like Britney Spears and that whole um that whole like age of pop music but I would say that like Real Housewives now is the thing that I wholeheartedly love so much and it brings me so much joy I want to talk about this so you watch all the franchises do you watch some of them I try really hard uh, to get it all in, but like, who has the time for that? Um, <laughs> I mean, what am I talking about? I certainly do. Um, but I, I also have the time, Becca. It's true, but I have to walk six miles a day, so it's like you got to get it in. Um, I love New York so so much. So funny. Um, and they are not disappointing right now. No. Um, no. Holy I shit. saw some people complaining about it online and I'm like, what more can we, they give us? Like, they're so fun. There's, it's like Sonia Morgan full tilt. Like right. there's nothing better. Um, I love Beverly Hills. I love Orange County. I love Atlanta. Um, I think that's it. I can't get back into Jersey. I was into it when the beginning, but like, yeah, no, that's about it. I, I love when a housewife watcher says, that's it. Like you just named four series and you're like, I that's just, it. Like, <laughs> like that's four hours of TV in a week. That's it. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. It's have fine. you been watching the Atlanta Zoom reunion? No, but my, I, ha- I have it recorded, but I heard about the comment made about social distancing, her breasts social distancing. Oh, Becca, and so good. It's like the comment of quarantine. It's shocking. Like I was, I had very low expectations. I thought, you know, I was just happy they were doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it turned out to be so amazing. So, yeah, so amazing. I got to watch Okay. That. So, so back to your cynical side, I, I also want to know like your favorite movies, like what kind of stuff do you like? Okay. Um, my favorite movies. I love like a really great rom-com. Uh, one of my favorites is, oh, a really under under the radar one. Failure to Launch was on recently. <laughs> Becca, stop it. Stop it. That's unacceptable. I know. There's so, many, so much animal work in that movie. Don't you think there's like a lot of animals? Well, the theme is the animals are acting out against him because the universe needs him to get it get it get his life right. But like it's Bradley Cooper pre-Hangover. <laughs> like it's just there's so much richness in there. And I love Sarah Jessica Parker. Um what else is some other really did great Did you ever see ones? that one where she, it was like, um, did you hear about the Morgans where it's her and I, I want to say Hugh Grant and they have to go into hiding or something. It's very, but Sarah Jessica got like the, the tail end of the stick. Or she got like what Reese turned down right. in the 2000s, you know? Yeah. Like they went to Katherine Heigl, then they went to Reese and then they and went Heigl. to Sarah Jessica. It's so true. It's so true. I just love a rom-com. Like I'll never turn that off. And then I also, Bridesmaids is a movie that, no matter what, without a doubt, I will cry laughing at certain scenes over and over again. And like anything Melissa McCarthy, like I, I just, I know that they aren't critically acclaimed films like Spy, but I, and Spy's Identity good. No, Spy's Spy good, is though. so good. Identity yeah. Theft, also very strong. And I love, I love any Melissa McCarthy movie. Right, right. Um, even the one, the one where she's like a Girl Scout. I mean, they're all funny in their own way, but yes. also some of them are pretty bad and like, in a fun way. Yeah. Um, okay. So you guys, the lady gang, you guys have done touring, you did a TV show, you've done a book now. Mm-hmm. Um, what's else is on the list? What else do you guys want to do? Well, we have a clothing line coming out, a collection with express in, in July. Did you um, just think like when you started this, did you even imagine all of this stuff happening? No, but this is like how my life goes. You know, it's like you you want something like as an actress, I'm like, oh, so planning ahead for the next five years, like when Glee ended, I was like, okay, so I'm going to manifest like another scripted TV show. And the universe was like, nah, bitch, you're going to do a podcast and an unscripted show and all this other random things that like you've never even thought of, which 
I love. I think it's been it's been the greatest blessing because it's also made it fun because I don't have expectations for where this brand is going. I just, we just sort of like the door opens and we walk through it, which is such a lovely way to live after being an actress and like forcing down doors just to be seen and liked and approved. Like it's, it's so lovely. Like, I don't know who to thank for it, but it's great. Probably Kelty. She's like the brains behind this entire operation. Well, I was going to say, there's something so powerful about being in control of your own career. And I think like being an actress, you just don't have the control because, you know, scripts are so reliant on looking for a specific person. And then there's so many politics involved. So um, I think it's amazing that um, that you guys have been able to grow so much. It's inspiring, I think. Thank you. Uh, how... Um, Tell me about why why should people pick up the book? I was reading and I loved it last night, so I think everyone should pick it up. And it's not just for women either. I think it's great for gay men too. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I was going to say probably not straight men because there's things in there that are like so shockingly disgusting, like the story about when Kelty left a tampon in for days on end. Gross. Um, straight men listening to my podcast, Becca. That's not happening. You know what? I don't know. I don't know. I think you're a universal taste. Well, um, yeah, I think that it's... To pick it up, you know, that what's funny is there's everything in it from girls in college that are kind of figuring out, like, navigating who to date, what to do about fuckboys, um, and how to handle toxic friendships. So there's stuff like that that was advice that we wish we had had in our early 20s or just 20s in general. And then there's stuff for, like, old married ladies like myself who just want to laugh at the personal essays about, like, you know... Well, actually, Kelty has a really great essay about her first divorce or her, her divorce, not first, <laughs> hopefully only. Hopefully only. Yeah. yeah. So there's like still a lot of heart in it too. So if women are going through a divorce, it's like, we're like, the stigma is such bullshit and she kind of tells the story and it, it's just telling stories to make women feel less alone, whatever they're going through. So it's sort of for everyone except for my parents. But was was there stuff in because there is a lot in there that definitely like you know crosses a line in certain ways and not in a bad way. It's just uh, there's a lot of things that are in there that are very personal. I wondered if there was anything you were too afraid to put in there. I mean, it seems like it kind of goes there. Yeah, there was. We decided that since we have this podcast and it's we've had it for five years almost, we were like we have to tell stories that these girls haven't heard before, which sometimes means getting a little more vulnerable because you you like to keep it light on the podcast. You know, it's she may have mentioned her divorce flippantly in the past, but she's never really gone there as far as like you know, there's a lot of pain and and sadness, and so we kind of took those stories and just went a little deeper so that we weren't a total buzzkill on the podcast. Um, my the hardest things for me to write about were any of my like sexual trysts before Zach because I talk about him sometimes on the podcast but I don't get specific and it also with a podcast like you probably feel the same way yeah you you do it you record it it kind of lives forever but like who goes back and listens to those podcasts right. not my right. in-laws you know yeah. <laughs> but they are going to pick this book up. So those were the things like I had a, a relationship with a sex addict and I go into major detail about our experience and like my butthole clenches every time I think of anyone I know reading it. <laughs> what, um, what did you learn from that relationship with the sex addict? What I learned was what I like in the bedroom. So it was sort of my test driving of sexual partners so that I could land on what ultimately ended up being my perfect flavor, if you will, my husband. Um, but, you know, I, I felt like I needed to really try it out. And I tell girls out there, like, you probably should. If, if Don't be afraid to add notches on the old belt if you're careful and responsible. I think it's important to try out different sexual partners. And it's important to be sex positive too. I think in oh, general, yeah. oftentimes that could be such a taboo topic. Mm -hmm. um, what about the other girls? I know they're not as, and uh, I don't want to say as open, but mm -hmm. they're not as um, I don't, forthcoming. Uh, yeah. Was it hard for them to kind of go there with certain essays? Yeah, they're not as vulgar. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I think that I love Jack's parts of the book because she gets really open about um, like body image stuff and how she's sort of tortured herself over the years. And if you looked at Jack, she's like got the body of a supermodel. She's right, the ultimate stunning. cool girl. She's stunning. And so I think that her honesty, and it doesn't come across as that like gross Hollywood type of, of like body positivity stuff. It's just genuine. Like we're all in, we're all the same. Every woman has moments where we hate ourselves and man, like right. 
and and it's okay. And she kind of goes through her journey of that. And um, so she brings a lot of that kind of heart to the book. And then, you know, Kelty's just so um, she's a special snowflake. And so she's so she- funny. I was loving her parts of the book <laughs> last night. As I, I mean, I loved all of it, but yeah, I was loving her parts of the book. It was just so her. It's so in the her. Best way. Yeah, and she's kept a journal her whole life. And when you read excerpts from this journal, it's it's our book. You know what I mean? It's so uncensored, and she so sometimes lacks self awareness in a beautiful, like adorable way. And so she does a lot of that in the book. Um, speaking of journals, I know we were texting about this or, or DMing about Jessica Simpson's book. Oh my um, god! Please tell me what you thought. Holy shit! First of all. <laughs> When she, I went to your podcast, I told you how good it was. And I could tell you were like, eh, I don't yeah. believe him. No, you actually turned me on. I was like, you know what? Kelty said it was great, but she says everything's great. But when you said it was great, I was like, okay. And I knew, I knew you were a true fan. So she's the reason that I started these six-mile walks because I just didn't want the audiobook to end. Holy shit. I did not know that she was going – she went there in all aspects of her life. Her dad, her career, Nick, her drinking. Like it was – Bonkers. Mayer, John Mayer, John like Mayer. All, of, all of it was in, in, insane. And I couldn't believe that. I mean, I'm sure you know from writing the book that usually the publishers can get weary about publishing certain specific names yeah. or things like that. And I was shocked that she did. Same. And I also wonder like what the status is with John Mayer. Like, has he re- refuted these statements? Like, has he, but I guess not, but he was completely emotionally not abusive, but like manipulative. And right. and he reminds me of so many guys, like right. just so many guys. It's so Especially gross. Especially here in LA, like it was such like a Hollywood LA straight guy kind of vibe. Completely. And like he needed to be a tortured soul. So he had to like, oh, uh, the push and the pull. But then I went on from Jessica Simpson to the Demi Moore audiobook. I love the Demi Moore book. Did you it, like it? incredible. Like the two of those books, like I I went on to listen to others and I just don't care about anybody else. Those two are the best memoirs I've read as far as Hollywood women go. Yeah. You know, the Demi Moore book, I agree. I thought it was just so amazing. And I had no idea about some of her her past and her history as a young woman. I I thought her book was just uh, phenomenal. It was amazing. I I felt like her book didn't really get a lot of like, um, I don't know, attention. Yeah. Yeah, I don't either. And also when people talked about it, they didn't, they were like, yeah, it's good. I mean, she could have gone farther. I'm like, uh, I don't know if she could have. Have you been following like her, her quarantining with Bruce and the kids? Yeah, now I'm completely obsessed with her. It's like so wild. It's, it's like so, so I don't understand it. I don't get I don't it. And I want to go to their compound in Idaho though. Bruce's wife or whatever, like isn't around. I mean, it's like weird. I don't get I'm, it. I want them to get back together after hearing that audiobook, I want them back. <laughs> Uh, now you are, you've done a lot of Hallmark movies. Do we have any Hallmark movies coming up? Cause you no. know I love a Hallmark. I know you do. Um, no, I don't think so because right everything's now shut everything's shut down. I've heard rumors that there may be some filming happening soon in Canada, which is where I've shot two out of the three movies that I've done. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I love doing it. I do like for the last three years, I, I do about one a year. It takes three weeks and it's like going to summer camp. It's so fun. And do you notice like the Hallmark fans are weird like myself? Like we all love the Hallmark movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're I like mean, a weird group. <laughs> but I get it. I totally get it. And now if I if I wasn't in them, I think that I would right now be watching them all the time because it's such a like lovely, happy, optimistic, you know, vibe. Yeah. It was interesting at the beginning of quarantine how they just started playing the Christmas movies over and over again. I think they're still doing it on the weekends and it's like such a a weird thing, but it's like we need that sort of weird comfort right now. I know. I mean, they already before quarantine did Christmas in July, that whole thing, remember? So they love, yeah. You know, I I mostly like like the holiday ones. Like those are the ones. And I I keep saying we need gay people on them. I don't think it's ever going to (laughs) happen. But you know, the whole controversy with like, the um what was the the ad that was pulled the ad that was pulled i know that really turned me off last year same but then they actually put it back on and did a little house cleaning within the uh organization so you know hopefully we're moving in that direction it would be amazing I hope so, because I love those movies and, you know, I want more. Okay, Glee, are you noticing people are, like, watching Glee in quarantine? Is that a thing? 
so much. I get so many messages now. Just it's so funny because it feels like a lifetime ago already. And um, people screenshot pictures like of their TVs and I, I barely recognize myself. It's shocking. I mean, it, it's truly shocking. Like I always see a lot of people on Twitter will post like clips from especially the later seasons. And it's like, how did this happen? Like, how? I mean, how did this happen? I stopped watching after. So I didn't watch before joining the show. And then I watched a little bit my first season. But then after that, I kind of stopped watching completely. So I'm, I have a really good friend, Jamie Lynn Sigler, who was on Sopranos and she did the same thing. She said she never really watched it. She kind of couldn't, she was too close to it at the time, but during quarantine, she's gone back and rewatched it. And so I think in a couple years I could do the same. She says she loves it now because she's watching it as a viewer. Yeah. Um, so I hope I can do that with Glee one day. When you guys would get the scripts, were there any times where you're like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, <laughs> I mean, like Every weekly? Week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, I sort of... By the way, I say this with love because you know I've watched every episode. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. And I think that like that was so- sometimes that was sort of the appeal, like the yeah. crazy outrageous. There were moments where it was like, okay, we've jumped the shark like 8,000 times. Um, but I think it was just... I, I miss it. I miss shooting it. And I wish I had sort of enjoyed the end a little bit more as opposed to like being critical of the scripts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we were all just sort of like, what is happening? Writers included, like everybody. <laughs> I mean, it's so many fucking episodes a, week, uh, a year. It's like, I mean, it's bound to get crazy because there's just so much writing. You have to do an hour a week and you guys were doing like 24 episodes. It's crazy. Yeah. 22 episodes. Like, I don't understand. I can barely write a pilot myself. And I'm like, there's just no way I could. There's just no world in which I could do this ever. So I'd commend them. Well, Becca, this was so fun catching up. Hopefully when all of this is over, we can we can see each other in person. Yes, Um, Tell everyone where they can find you on social media, where they can pick up the book, anything else you want to plug. Um, so the book comes out June 2nd. We're in pre-order before that. Anywhere books are sold. And you can go to theladygang.com because there's a lot of fun um, giveaways and incentive campaigns that we're doing. So yeah. And it's Act Like a Lady. And I know Kelty really wants New York Times. So we got to get at New York Times list. Oh my gosh. If she doesn't, we've, we're going to have a problem. So and, yes. And I will say that um, pre-orders are the best way to get on New York Times. So if anyone is listening pre-order right now on Amazon. Yes. Don't wait to buy it. Um, it's really funny. It's really great. And I love, I just, it's so inspiring watching uh, the three of you and what you guys have done with Lady Gang podcast and, and really paved the way for podcasts in so many different ways. And you guys have a network now and, and all of this wonderful merchandise and TV show and all of that stuff. It's really amazing. So congratulations. Thank you. Uh, stay safe. Love you. And uh, hope to see you soon. Okay. Bye. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered showerhead. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, my listeners can use code EVERYTHINGICONIC, all together one word, at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. This episode is sponsored by Los Angeles Tourism. Now, y'all know I'm from the Midwest, but I've lived in California for so long, and I truly do love it here in L.A. There's so much to do. My parents were just in town and said the same thing because we always have something to do when they visit. There's so much good food and drink here. There's lots of pop-ups, rooftop bars, year-round alfresco dining. I love being able to eat outside here all the time, but they really have so many different food options uh, that you can get all the time. Tons of great shopping and fashion. Uh, They just opened up a new shopping center right across the street from where we live. 
live. And it's just fantastic to be able to walk there. I love that. I love having the sun. I love the attractions, the studios, the lifestyle. You get all the Hollywood pop culture stuff that I certainly love so much. Uh, And also you just get the wonderful weather. It's really a fantastic place. So I want to encourage you all to head to discoverla.com. Again, need more ideas for your next visit? Just head to discoverla.com. Ever since I saw Clueless, I wanted to have the most amazing wardrobe, and that includes all of the clothes inside the wardrobe closet, and that's why I'm excited to talk to you about Quince. Now, Quince has you covered with truly timeless pieces that never go out of style. You'll have them in your closet forever. Quince has all sorts of must-haves. I'm talking uh, Mongolian cashmere crewneck sweaters from $50. I have a blue cashmere crewneck sweater I got from them that I get so many compliments on all the time. I love it. Plus, iconic 100% leather jackets and versatile flow-knit activewear. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes us savings all over to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes. Love that. Makes you feel good about shopping with Quince. Uh, again, I've gotten a lot of stuff there. Just uh, good quality pieces and a lot of different options if you're looking to upgrade your wardrobe. So indulge in the affordable luxury. Go to Quince.com iconic for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash iconic to get free shipping and 365-day returns, quince.com slash iconic. Okay, stand by. Here we go. In a movie, every detail, no matter how small, is designed to tell you something. And ever since I was a kid, I've been obsessed with finding out more. I want to see it first. I'm Dan Lanigan, and I spent my entire life collecting artifacts from my favorite films. Now, I'm setting out to learn more about the props from the Disney movies that I love. Hi, Dan. Uh, it's so nice to, uh, to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. Thanks for uh, being interested in talking to me about our show. Of course. Well, welcome to Everything Iconic. I gotta just say, I binged the entire series of Prop Culture uh, last weekend. I was crying. I was <laughs> laughing. I... I thought it was like one of, it's one of my favorite binge shows of the year. I just think it's fantastic. Wow. And as someone who's like a, a pop culture nerd, like I love, I love all of it. It was just so refreshing to see you hosting it because oftentimes I feel like a show like that would have, excuse me, a host that uh, was more hosty. And I don't mean that as an insult. I just mean like. No, uh, no, no. I, exactly the reason why I hosted this thing. It was, you yeah. You could see your passion behind it. And that yeah. was just so refreshing. Uh, so thank you. Yeah, I felt, uh, oh, absolutely. I felt, I'm, I'm personally not somebody who likes to be in front of the camera. I prefer to be behind the camera. But since I come to this space, this hobby, this world of memorabilia, you know, film archive memorabilia, I have a sense of legitimacy. I've been, you know, researching it for years seemed like I was the best guy for it. It, so. made, it made all the difference in the world, in my opinion. So thank you. <clears throat> uh, how did the show come about? How did you uh, get it up and running? Uh, I had been trying to do a show like this for a while, um, probably five or more years, uh, different iterations of it. But I had uh, uh, been producing uh, TV and some reality space and some docu-stuff. And... I felt like this world of the memorabilia, which I've been involved in for many, many years, uh, there were stories to be told that I think people needed to hear and people that are, in a lot of ways, the stars. Um, that those stars of why these important, these films are important and, and meaningful. You know, I want to shed a little bit of light on them and also shed a light on this wonderful artwork that's created for these films that, for all intents and purposes, used to be used as disposable art and now is being, you know, treated with more reverence. I love that. So, I, I love the no, focus. I love the focus on the artists too. I mean, because oftentimes we do see the people in front of the camera, but I really appreciated seeing some of the craftsmen behind the scenes. Yeah, it, that was important to me to to dig into the show. 
uh, and to talk to some of the people that I knew previously. And then, you know, through the show, I got to meet a lot of people that I've always wanted to talk to. So it was a wonderful experience for myself. Uh, and, you know, I had pitched this show to, to finish the question from before I had pitched this show before nobody really got it. They wanted to do something a little bit more transactional, you know, auctions, money, value. And I didn't want to do that. So I waited, I took my time. Um, I wanted to do the show that I felt was right for uh, the subject and Disney eventually, uh, I was very eventually to be able to pitch to them and they, they got it right away. And so it was pretty you, great. When you thought about the show previously, when you were pitching it, did you expect it to be emotional? Was that something you, you thought would happen? Yes, I expected it to be emotional, but not to the level that it, it came out on the show. Um, it's always been my experience that the reason people collect this stuff and, and people buy replicas and are interested in the artifacts or the, you know, the, the iconography of these movies is because they have such an emotional connection to the films. And I've always had an emotional connection to this stuff. And I think that's why a lot of people collect uh, uh, props and costumes, but bringing it to the, the people that worked on the films, I knew there would be people that didn't care, but to, and, and I knew there were people that did care, but it, it really uh, was impressive for me to experience that firsthand that, you know, it does mean a lot to these people because it I, is part of their history. I was so surprised when I would have tears coming down in an episode. Cause it just, I put it on as a fan of pop culture. And then here I was crying about, you know, I certainly would have never guessed in a million years that a show that I helped create about movie props would make people uh, emotionally cry in a good way. Maybe in a bad way, but not in a good way. Right. So it was very, very heartwarming for, for me to see that that people are starting to connect to this stuff the way I do, which can you, means a lot. Can you talk to me a little bit about your uh, history with collecting? Were you always a collector? Uh, I was always a collector, not a prop collector, but I, I started collecting when I was a kid. I had action figures and I was obsessed about Star Wars and you know, Empire Strikes Back figures, and I had some of those early Raiders of the Lost Ark figures, and, uh, you know, I think I was on the early end of the He-Man stuff, and I loved that stuff, but I also read comic books, so I collected those, so I always had this, this position of, uh, personally, this stuff means a lot to me, so, you know, try to, hoard's the wrong word, but hold on to it, and as I grew older, that I didn't lose that part of myself it only became stronger and as i delved in more and more of, of movies and and honestly really seeing the artwork that is made from these films i think it was one of the first times i went to the disney mgm studios early on in its iteration uh and i saw the exhibit that they had that was at the end of the the backlot tour and i blew my mind you know, all of these props that we're using these films and wow, they look so different in person and that's how that worked and that's how that worked. And it really kind of got me going. And then I started just researching and eventually came across some stuff in the really early days of eBay. The next thing you know, I'm, I'm uh, obsessed with prop collecting and here I am doing a TV show. <laughs> I love it. And I can see some of are those props behind you. Are you in your office? Yeah. yeah, I am in my office. These are some of the pieces I have that I display in, in my working space. Do you have uh, a, favorite, a favorite piece? You know, I like to compare having a favorite piece to a, a family that has a favorite child. You really don't. Um, it, you know, I, I, it's so weird to compare it that way, but it is, you know, there's a lot of pieces I really like and there's a lot of pieces I really love. So, sorry, some of my favorite pieces are probably connected to movies that are my favorite, like Nightmare Before Christmas. My Jack Skellington puppet means a lot to me. I got to meet Henry Selleck by, by uh, collecting that piece and, and verifying it. Uh, my Indiana Jones hat, which you can see up there from Temple of Doom and the Whip, those, those pieces mean a lot to me. And the Blade Runner uh, blaster that I have from Blade Runner, that film, that's probably my favorite piece just because I adore that film. And that's such an important part of the character of Deckard. 
You you mentioned Nightmare Before Christmas, and that movie really has had such an interesting post uh, theatrical life. I wonder if you could just speak on what you think it is about that movie that it lives on so so much. Uh, it's complicated. I think it's a it's a very smart, unique film, especially for its time. Uh, it's Disney's first feature length stop motion film. Uh, Tim Burton really got to play with his visuals of what he loved as a, as a, as a filmmaker and his art design in three dimensions. I mean, Batman is pretty unique as Batman, but I got a Batman shirt on right now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Catwoman. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And, but you know, that is, is a key part of it. The music is just so central to the story. Danny Elfman's style is so strong and, 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 you know, permeates that entire film. Henry Selleck's stop motion uh, style is so strong in that film. And he's, you know, he did some really cool, crazy stuff back with the MTV days, doing uh, these little commercials for MTV. You know, you've got all these amazing people working on it. Such amazing artists that actually built the stuff for the film. Um, Henry, Henry, um, Henry Selleck was just spectacular. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. It's there's so many of these amazing things that come together and it it stands the test of time and it builds and it builds and it builds. And and honestly, you know, the characters are all kind of little toys. So they're very iconic, they're very unique, and that's why you know, the iconography is so strong because of the film, but then it translates into shirts, into toys. June Planning did a whole line of toys that I collected before I collected stop motion puppets. I mean, it's just Right. It's, it's, it's everywhere. Almost like a lot of magical elements just sort of accent, not, not accidentally, but seem to come together for that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have another favorite uh, stop motion movie? Like, is there a, another one that you think is kind of up there with nightmare or, or is that just the tippy top? No, um, I'm a really big fan of Henry Selleck's work and Coraline, uh, okay. I think is a masterpiece. Yeah. Uh, and so that one, to me is right up there with Nightmare. Corpse Bride, I think, is really good. One of the things I don't like about Corpse Bride was it was at the beginning of using a lot of digital technology with stop motion. So they uh, they cleaned up a lot of the stop motion flaws, which at the time made me feel like it looked like CGI. I've gone back to it and I and I and I see how that was the right move for the time. But you know what's great about stop motion is all the little flaws inherent to the process. Right. You know, the odd weird, weird way that the puppets work and the, and the, the hair kind of moves around. And even when you use 3d printing to do the faces, you still have little weird aberrations that add a quality of, of physicality to it. And stop motion as great as animation is. And I love animation, traditional and C in, in 3d CGI animation, stop motion you just can feel the handprints on these these pieces and and the artists that work through the the work. Yeah. Switching gears a bit, I loved seeing Rick Moranis on the show and he's sort of uh, a, a sort of essentially retired. I don't know if he's officially retired, but did you get any right. sense did you get a sense talking to him of of why he sort of stepped away from uh filmmaking? You know, we didn't really discuss that. Um you know, the way I look at this show, this isn't heavy journalism. This is this is discussing things that are important to the, the framework of the show, which happens to be important to me. But part of the process of the interview is I have conversations with these people. It's not, they're not interviews, they're conversations. And just meeting the guy who I has been a huge, I've been a huge fan of his work forever. I'm not going to get into, so why'd you retire? And what's the deal with your family and all that yeah. kind of stuff. So um, he, he just seemed like it was the right, you know, he just seemed happy with what he was doing. And uh, I, you know, he made the right move for him and his family. It was, a delight to you know, see it sounds, yeah. I mean, it, it was, it was amazing to see him. We were very surprised that we were able to get him. It was just the right, place at the right time and he seemed to like what we were doing and and it worked for him and and i was very very proud to be able to to sit and talk to him especially about one of my favorite films strange brew there's a whole like 10 minute conversation which didn't make it into the cut where we're talking about his 
background in SCTV and Strange Brew and how he directed that film. And it was, it was awesome. It was a great experience. I love that. Uh, I'm also just noticing, is that a Coraline above your shoulder there? It is. It is. That's a, that's a Coraline uh, puppet with a full armature, full screen use, the whole works. Oh my gosh. Do you have pieces all over your house or do you keep them in one area? I, I have a few pieces in, in the house. Um, my wife would prefer that I keep some of the more delicate pieces in my office or in my display space. But, um, uh, and I have a, uh, an eight year old, eight month old child, little boy and my nine year old girl. So it's not the best idea to keep stuff all over the house, but that's why I have, you know, all these wonderful pieces here in my office. I can come in here and work and kind of be inspired by this wonderful artwork. Do the kids like playing with everything or do they grab hold of it a lot? No, no, we, that, my, well, my, my eight month year old, I have to work on, he's obviously eight months old. Uh, but my daughter, as she, as she grew up, she would get exposed to this stuff, but know that she, you know, couldn't touch it. They weren't toys, but we would talk about it and she would understand it. And she's very respectful of the stuff. It's, it's, it's just, I just, I didn't keep her away from it, but I also, she knew her limits and it worked. I love the mix of films in season one. You really seem to run the gamut. There were movies that were kind of made for children as well as uh, some stuff for adults. It was just a beautiful mix. And I wondered uh, what, what did you want to do for season one that maybe you just didn't get around to that might be for season two? Uh, Really wanted to do Raiders Lost Ark. That's an important film to me. Uh, and it just, it didn't work out, you know, um, Raiders and the Star Wars films, at least the, you know, the older ones are the treasure of Lucasfilm and the treasure of of George Lucas independently. And, you know, we're a new show coming out with a, with a pretty unique format. It was amazing that we can get Disney to allow us the access. Lucasfilm was a little more protective, understandably so. Um, and you know they have plans for their own their own IP. My hope is that season two, if we get a season two, which we haven't gotten yet, you have to, you um, have to. It's so good. I'll I'll boycott. I'll, I'll be so mad. Just tell Disney that. Yeah, they have. But, you to. know they they think. Yeah, I would think so, but who knows? Who knows? You know, the, the, those decisions are are made on much broader information and what the what the company's going. So, you know, I understand uh, whatever they decide to do, but. Um, you know, Lucasfilm, hopefully them and George sees the show. They understand what we're about and maybe we'll, 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 they'll let us play in their world a little bit. I mean, Raiders would be amazing. I would love to, to, to be able to dig into Raiders, but we'll see. Uh, two of the movies that you mentioned in an interview recently that you would like to do for a season two, I think you mentioned Home Alone and Hocus Pocus, which were two really important movies to my childhood. Uh, yeah. I-, I wondered if there were specific props from those movies that you kind of have been thinking about that you would like to find or dive more into. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. You know, I think I think both films are, what they're interesting about them they're very different types of films. You know, um, Home Alone is a movie that by all intents and purposes, it's all just regular stuff, right? It's, it's, it's toys, it's bicycle parts, it's sleds. But because of the nature of the film being a physical comedy, there are a lot of specific versions of these things. And those are what, you know, I would like to see if we can track down, you know, more, the more effects stuff, the, the, the rubber versions of, of weapons, the weird costumes that, uh, you know, that like the, 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 the headpiece that, um, is worn by, um, oh my God, I'm having a mind. Joe Pesci. Uh, Joe Pesci. Yeah. When he gets his, when he gets his head burned, I mean, that had to have been a specially thing ma- uh, made to look like he was burned. You know, those kind of things. Let's see if we can figure out if they still exist and what happened to them. Um, uh, Hocus Pocus, I mean, across the board, there's so much wonderful artwork that's made for that film makeups, animatronics, hand props, uh, costumes, amazing costuming. Um, that, that would, I mean, all that stuff. We just got to see what we can find. And, um, you know, I, I would say Hocus Pocus, if we get a season two, I would think, you know, as we 
go through and figure out these episodes based on what's available and who would we could who could we talk to, and you know, is it good for the company and all those kind of things. Hocus Pocus feels like one of those home runs. Another one that to me feels like a big home run would be uh, the Princess Bride. I would love to do the Princess Bride because that is it was a Fox film. It's now Disney. It's on the service. And there are just so many great moments in that film, such interesting stuff and interesting people that worked on it, you know, both behind and in front of the camera. I'm curious about your uh, thoughts on the difference between practical and digital effects. I recently had Alec Gillis on on the show, and he's done some great work with the Alien franchise and, and Santa, Cla- Santa Claus with Disney. Um, and he he was enlightening me a little bit about how now we've moved so far into digital effects, and it seems like a lot of films have... Uh, stayed or strayed away from the practical effects, and and I wondered your thoughts and and why maybe the industry should get back to practical effects a little bit more. Digital effects, you can do amazing things with digital effects now, and one of the benefits from a filmmaking perspective of digital effects is you can shoot the movie and save a lot of that work till after the fact, so you don't have to commit to it, which means you can push those decisions back and allow other people to partake in figuring things out that normally wouldn't have the time to. That to me feels a little less committed to the project and committed to and the project, but the process and outside of the, the, in my opinion, the real tangible Uh, benefits of having physical props, costumes, things like that on set, set pieces, is that the actors can see it and you have real light bouncing off of it. uh, And the camera seeing exactly what's going to go to the audience. Um, But let's be fair, that can't always have that happen. I mean, even Star Wars, there was so many visual effect shots. But by doing it after the fact, it becomes like, just because you can, doesn't mean you should. And Sometimes the limitations of building practical stuff defines the look, the feel, and the story. And, and, and there's a lot to that. Plus, you got great artwork, physical artwork that you can keep after the fact. So, okay. um, you know, there's, there's a lot of reasons, in my opinion, to do it. But there's some things you just can't do physically. You can't right. do practically. But now, you know, with The Mandalorian, they're doing the best of both worlds. They're planning this stuff out beforehand. They're using digital backgrounds, but they're the camera is seeing it. So it's a really interesting time. And they're still using practical things like, you know, Baby Yoda's practical and, and they've got the practical costumes and practical local set pieces. It's, it's a great mix. And I love that idea of, of taking the best of both, mixing together and shooting it in camera. Do you think if there, if and when there is a season two, would you ever go into TV a production as well? Like, would you do an episode perhaps on The Mandalorian or, or another TV show? I... I don't know. I'm saying never say never. Um, but there's so many great movies that some of which aren't really known very well. And if we can bring attention to them to a broad audience nowadays, I would love to be able to do that. Um, a TV show is a different animal than a film. A TV show is stretched over much more time. So usually there's more pieces involved. It's a much more commitment to everybody. There's something special about these glimpses into time with these films that you know you do one movie and it you know everything that's made at that time is a is a, is a example of what's the, the the techniques are used at the time um and the older the show is the more likely it fits into our category of when you see a piece that you haven't seen in a long time the the attachment and the emotional connection is much stronger if we were to do what we did with mary poppins with the mandalorian it would work because it's way too new. Everybody just got off season two. It just wouldn't work. Right now. Is there another show? I mean, they're doing the, the, the Disney gallery version of that, which is interesting. And I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I don't know this, but I would hope that they're going to get into some of the props. I've only seen the first episode right now, but um, there, there is opportunity to do stuff with that for TV shows. I think our format, which works for us, do it on a film, bring you back to this time that happened, reintroduce you to a movie, reintroduce you to these amazing artists and try to see this wonderful art in a way that was done differently than it is done now. 
Well, my favorite part about the show is every single episode uh, that I watched in the first season, it made me want to watch the movie immediately right after. So I thought it was just such a well done show. One last question before I let you go. Is there one piece that you've been after, uh, whether a Disney film or something else, like a piece that you've maybe gotten close to or that you really want for your collection? You know, I would love to add uh, Deckard's trench coat from Blade Runner to my collection. I have um, I have most of the costume already of of one of the costumes, uh, which is the costume he uses when he does uh, the uh, the uh, human the human or replicant test with Sean Young's character. Um, but the trench coat is such a big part of that character. And I've only, I only know of one that exists out there and, and, and it's a friend of mine who owns it and I don't think they'll ever let it go. And I respect that. And, you know, the, the, the better half of me says, don't sell it. But of course the other half of me says, please sell it. I, I want to get it. But there's gotta be other ones out there. I would, I would imagine they didn't all get destroyed, but that's kind of my, my holy grail of sorts. Well, Dan, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Uh, I love the show so much. I hope everyone tunes into Prop Culture on Disney+. Plus. It's fantastic. And I will be so... Uh, there has to be a season two. I'm not even putting out in the universe. There won't be because I need it. And I need that Home Alone and Hocus Pocus episode. <laughs> All right. We're do our best. Thank you so much for taking the time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate your interest. Thank you. Bye-bye. Icons, I'm sure I've mentioned this many a time on the show, but I use DoorDash all the time, and I'm sure so many of you are right there with me. When you need a meal, you hop on DoorDash. And that's why I'm so excited to tell you about DoorDash's Dash Pass. It's the most affordable way to get anything in your area delivered to your door, helping you save lots of money, lots of time with every one of your DoorDash orders. So it's really a big saver with $0 delivery fees and lower service fees on your eligible orders. Dash Pass makes it super easy to save on restaurants or retail items, groceries, all your local favorites that deliver on DoorDash. Because I don't just get my meals. I also get a lot of groceries. You can get, again, retail items, local stuff. Dash Pass, too, pays for itself in just two orders on average, making delivery even more worth it. Plus, Dash Pass gives you special access to exclusive promotions, member-only menu items, all for just $9.99 a month. So get more from your delivery for less. Sign up for Dash Pass today only on DoorDash. Use code ICONIC24. That's ICONIC24 and get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for Dash Pass. Subject to change, terms apply. Again, use code ICONIC24 and get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for Dash Pass. Icons. Did you ever watch True Blood? I was obsessed. I thought the men on that show, Alexander Skarsgård, Ryan Quanton, I was in love with him when that show was airing. And I thought it was just so good. And so that's why I'm so excited to tell you about the new season of the Truest Blood podcast. The Truest Blood podcast is fantastic. If you haven't listened before, it's hosts Kristen Bauer and Deborah Ann Wall who rewatch and tell true stories from the set of HBO's iconic series, True Blood. They discuss the episodes, the blood, both fake and real, and all the sexy bites in between. And this season of the podcast, they cover seasons three and four of True Blood, uh, where there's more werewolves, witches, and vampire royalty on the show. Plus, they have really great people who worked behind the scenes of the show coming on and talking about the show. Lots of that to come. I think we're all pop culture junkies here. And one of the things that I love about pop culture is seeing how the sausage is made. And so I think that's why we're all going to be so excited to listen to the Truest Blood podcast. So check it out. uh, And also check out the show True Blood. Watch all episodes of True Blood on Max and listen to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. 
Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.